Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Baked and Awake podcast. I'm your host, Steve, and if you're just listening to us for the first time, you'll quickly find out that this show is all about all things cannabis, cannabis culture, cannabis history, responsible cannabis use. Uh, We have a lot of fun with it, too, of course, because it is a lot of fun. Um, And then we spend a lot of time on interesting topics, hidden histories, mysteries, a lot of things that have a Northwest connection in a lot of cases, by no means exclusively. We're recording here in Seattle, Washington, the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, yeah, second episode of 2018. Got a short list of more or less news, interesting stories that I want to share with you. Uh, The first one, cannabis-related, and then we go on from there. But, uh, yeah, just before I hit record, I took a little dab, morning dab as it were, um, picked up some rosin from American Hash Makers, uh, cool local 502, I think they're on the Peninsula uh, processor, you know, and they do a lot of cool hashes and keefs, um, and this was a Blackwater rosin, uh, really cool, uh, great flavor on that and totally dabbable very potent I mean we're talking like yeah like 79.4 THC percentage 1% CBD and then uh, yeah with the other cannabinoids not all necessarily listed the total comes out at 91.5 on this on this dab really cool stuff anyway um so that's where that's you know where my head is at, as you can tell, because I'm still kind of from my uh, maybe a little leviosa <laughs> levitated from my experience there uh, this morning. But uh, yeah, before we jump into the stories for the day, I want to uh, I mentioned at the end of the last episode that. Uh, this past week, we had our Cannabis Influencers Northwest meetup, a monthly meetup that I host here in the uh, presently in the Georgetown area of Seattle, uh, down actually at a great little uh, brewery that uh, I'm familiar with because uh, I like the block down there and spend a lot of time on the block down there, Counterbalance Brewing. And uh, so, uh, you know, I want to thank Linnea and the crew down there, as always, for their warm welcome. We sure do have fun down at Counterbalance. Uh, And uh, had a great meeting once again uh, with a number of great cannabis professionals, uh, small group. uh, You know, once again here, we had four of us uh, this past night, not to, you know, put too uh, big of a shine on it. Um, But, you know, we are having great meetings every time and uh, really, you know, a great conversation took place and a real connection occurred between the you know different uh, different excuse me I uh, falsely I uh, got started on a uh, tune there and I wanted to pick a slightly different one um, 
with the guys who were at the meeting. And, uh, you know, definitely would love to see some uh, lady professionals out there in uh, the coming months. Um, you know, we need the women at the table as well with us here in the cannabis industry um, and benefit from you always. So we'll look forward to seeing more. I know there's a few in our ranks in the, in the meetup group. Uh, you can find us on meetup.com at Cannabis Influencers Northwest. Um, we're gaining momentum, and there were some ideas and topics discussed at the last meeting that I'm very excited about continuing the conversation with other members with, um, and soon taking that uh, to the larger public. Um, by all means, the purpose of the group is to be pretty open and uh, helpful to everybody, uh, not just members. So, uh, yeah, Cannabis Influencers Northwest, check it out. Uh, then I also wanted to thank everybody, uh, if I haven't already, on Instagram. Uh, you know, you guys know I have a lot of uh, content on Instagram and, you know, post a lot there. A lot of goofy stuff, a little bit of, you know, mildly, um, you know, conscious uh, content and stuff like that too. Uh, but you know, a lot of memes and stuff. I'm just having fun and, uh, find me there at, at baked and awake, of course. Um, but I was, I was saying, uh, loving the iTunes reviews, uh, really appreciate every single one. And, uh, whenever I get one, it makes my day. So if you're hearing this now and you've listened to an episode or two, or maybe you make it through this episode and you had fun, uh, take a minute, pop into your app, and, you know, if you're not getting this through iTunes, then maybe there's some other ranking or rating or thumbs up or, you know, heart you can drop for me uh, wherever you're catching this because we're on a lot of platforms at this point. I won't, you know, list them. Uh, but love the iTunes reviews, so thank you guys so much. Keep them coming, please, please. Uh, and I guess finally, I mentioned before, we have the T Public Store live now, and that is uh, easy to find at tpublic.com. You can search Baked and Awake, one word, and uh, quickly find us there. And if you have any trouble finding me there um, on Tee Public, get at me on Instagram or get at me through talk to us at bakedandawake.com. That's our email address, as always. And uh, let me know uh, what's going on there because I'll go and, you know, unfuck myself on Tee Public so that you guys can find me, uh, hopefully, readily. So, t shirts and mugs stickers uh tote bags uh i guess where i'm going with that is it's way cool it's fun the stuff that i've gotten so far from t public i've posted a couple of pictures of um i have some test t-shirts coming but the stuff is not bad it's pretty cool quality and there's a few different types of shirts and hoodies and things that you can uh mess with as well on there and uh but you know you do a mug you do some stickers you do anything like that then You've got something from the show. You can, you know, rep the show to your friends in some little small way, and maybe somebody else will listen. Um, and that's, you know, also just super huge. So uh, it would be fun. It would be fun to see folks uh, trying that, you know, trying that gear out and maybe get at me on social media and show me your baked and awake gear. That would be, wow, <laughs> that'd be nuts. Uh, all right. And then, you know, we're going to work on some, uh, really cool stuff, uh, locally sourced soon. And I'm already talking to a couple of my friends, some of whom are, um, guys who have worked with me on some of these designs for the logos, uh, you know, about 
curating some goods here from the Northwest. That'll be really cool goods, and I need to figure out, you know, how you even make that stuff available, and I guess we'll just, you know, figure that out as we go. We'll build it as we go, like we, we are with this, so. All right, yeah, find us at tpublic.com, Baked and Wake, one word. All right, um, I'm glad I packed that elephant bowl. I'm not ready to hit her just yet, Ellie. She's over here, standing by a little flower. But uh, take a sip, drop into our cannabis-related topic for the for the day, and you know we've had some kind of like beleaguering cannabis news the last couple of weeks uh, you know with the sessions anxiety and the commissioner of the Alaska Cannabis Board you know resigning over it and everybody else being all Ugh. you know and we'll we can continue that conversation but not, I'm not going to rehash that today with us right now because you can just listen to the last episode my opinion hasn't evolved much since then on this uh little bit uh, i i will say uh, my friend dave pinch from uh, amber brick uh, local processor member of cannabis influencers he had an interesting uh perspective on the you know federalization uh that of course we're all aware of but we forget about at moments when we're especially those of us who are working in the legal markets and you you look at what a benefit and net positive it appears to be in in you know your local area to to have a cannabis industry that's you know recognized and and okay to to be a part of you know uh that uh yeah you know we we're enjoying a, a time right now where we get to build this the way we want to and uh the minute things get federally deregulated, federally legalized, and and all the people who we've all been fearing for years, you know, the big pharmas, the big tobaccos, the big alcohols, the big foods, I mean, all these things are industries that we have cottage versions of in the cannabis industries in every single state that we're in. Uh, so, you know, this time is a good time and one to be... Uh, you know, cherished, developed as robustly as possible, as, you know, rapidly as is as possible, actually. And, you know, I'm not normally one to advocate for, you know, out-of-hand growth for no reason other than the sake of growth, and, and this is well short of advocating for that. Uh, my point is, yeah, as soon as... As soon as Things become federal and Red Bull starts selling a sativa cannabis fizzy bubbly uh, at the uh, local bodegas because they've got distribution through everywhere and they find a way to make that work. You know, our industry is a different industry. Never, never again. And that's, you know, one of a thousand million of those guys who would be coming for us. So something to think about there. All right. So, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. All depressing. Ah, what do we do? Hey, we go to work every day. We figure it out. Um, and uh, then we read stories like this, which make us feel a little better. 
And this one is something that I found at a, <clears throat> I guess it's a news blog site. It's called truthout.org. feel like I've seen it before. It's probably been a while. Uh, on Tuesday, January 9th, their correspondent, uh, writer, Kit O'Connell of the Ministry of Hemp, reports that the World Health Organization says cannabidiol is safe with no potential for abuse. A division of the World Health Organization declared CBD oil to be safe with many potential benefits and recommended that it should remain fully legal. The recommendations came in a report from the Expert Committee on Drug Dependence, or ECDD, which advises the global body on how to handle various substances that could be addictive or otherwise harmful. The authors were unambiguous about their assessment. In humans, quote, CBD exhibits no effects indicative of any abuse or dependence potential. The report also outlines numerous potential benefits of CBD, though the authors emphasize that more research is needed. Sentiments, by the way, that we've echoed just recently on this podcast. And it's widely called for by all my contemporaries, for the most part, that I could think of that would bother to comment on this or spend time thinking about it. It goes on. The report also outlines numerous potential benefits of CBD, though the authors emphasize that more research is needed. Excuse me. The findings are an important sign of the shift in attitudes towards this beneficial extract with thousands of people, which thousands of people use regularly. It also places WHO policy at odds with that of the United States. Last year, the Drug Enforcement Agency issued frightening statements insisting that CBD remains illegal. CBD oil is a nutritional supplement made from agricultural hemp, a close relative of psychoactive cannabis or marijuana. Yes. Substance that people consume to feel high. Yes. <laughs> uh, by contrast, while CBD causes few, if any, side effects, a growing body of evidence suggests it could help conditions ranging from depression to some forms of chronic pain. The hemp industry has promised to fight the DEA in court if necessary, and so far individual consumers haven't faced legal trouble as a result of buying CBD-only products. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they're, they're saying here, as they'll explain below, they believe the latest findings from the WHO could be an important part of changing how CBD is treated worldwide. Sure. Um, WHO's statement paraphrased, CBD is not associated with abuse, but has great healing potential. So, this article's pretty long and has a great table of diseases and or conditions and the believed or potential therapeutic benefits of CBD. So let's assume everyone in this audience has a certain level of conversational 
awareness and comfort with CBD, cannabidiol, our, our very important, all you know, well-known, quote-unquote, medical uh, cannabis um, cannabinoid that is so beneficial. And uh, it is being recognized by a major health organization in the form of the WHO that is a thought leader and policy leader for the world um, with statements like were paraphrased above and are being elaborated upon in this story, which we'll have the link in the show notes for you if you want to read this in full. Uh, but just to highlight this list, this is table one. They call it the overview of diseases for which CBD may have therapeutic benefits taken from Pisanti et al. 2017. So that must be the document that they excerpted this table from. And diseases include, and I'm not going to give the effects, let's just say that some beneficial effect from CBD comes or is believed to be worth investigating in Instances of Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, Huntington's disease, hypoxia, ischemia, injury, pain, general, psychosis, anxiety, depression, cancer, nausea, inflammatory diseases, big one killer rheumatoid arthritis infection yeah interesting activity against methicillin resistant staphylococcus aureus that's the that's the uh, believed effect uh, understood on the uh, on the other side of that table for infections very interesting inflammatory bowel and Crohn's disease okay a lot of us have somebody close to us suffering from that. Cardiovascular diseases and diabetic complications. So, yeah, I think... What a great article. And uh, really nice to read something like that. Uh, you know, they uh, say here at the end of the article... <clears throat> Let's read their sort of closeout. By recommending that CBD oil remain unscheduled, the ECCD sends a powerful message to the global community that CBD should be legal. While stopping short of openly recommending the use of CBD, the WHO also clearly expressed the need for more investigation into CBD and other similar cannabinoid substances. There's a little bit more here, but we'll close with there. We believe there's every reason, and this is, I believe, their editorial. We believe there's every reason to hope that the overwhelming body of scientific evidence about the benefits of CBD and the support of influential bodies like the WHO, World Health Organization, will eventually force the United States to reevaluate its stance too. Thanks to the ECCD, and so many passionate advocates for legalization, 
It's only a matter of time before CBD and cannabis in all its forms are fully embraced as a miraculous gift to humanity. So, yeah, there we go. Thank you, Kit O'Connell, for that great story on the World Health Organization and the Expert Committee on Drug Dependence and their report on CBD. So check that out in the show notes to learn a lot more and to get a better and deeper rundown on that whole story. All right. So next up, I mentioned last week, uh, I believe, this story in brief. And I just wanted to come back to it for just a minute because it's a pet uh, interest of mine. And I do believe it's an interesting and very, actually, potentially, you know, a really important story. Um, And it's one of those stories that goes ignored because it doesn't sound like weird, threatening, or troublesome when you hear a headline like this from The Guardian. And that, of course, was... Alpha Zero AI beats champion chess program after teaching itself to play the game in four hours. So, um, writer Samuel Gibbs posted this. This is, you know, it's been out for a few weeks, so a lot of people, you know, hopefully you guys listening to this podcast are folks that are, are paying attention to stories like this a little bit. And maybe you have heard about it, maybe you haven't. But um, Google built AlphaZero. They built AlphaGo before that, and that was the uh, AI that played the, uh, I believe it's ancient Chinese game, Go, the um, chess-like game, strategy game, and uh, that I believe is much more complicated in terms of the number of possible moves than chess uh, in in a lot of ways. Uh, so it's an interesting game. I've never played it. I, I will concede. Um, certainly played plenty of chess over the years, and, you know, I'm terrible at it, but do enjoy fumbling uh, around the board and, and playing a bit. Uh, at any rate, uh, they built AlphaGo. That thing uh, beat the greatest human players in the world. I believe it beat any... Uh, AIs that uh, also were trying to play Go. I don't even know if any other AIs were capable of playing Go. I think that was the big thing about AlphaGo was because of, you know, the nature of Google's neural net and the type of computing that they were doing. You know, that's the core technology that made, that differentiated that AI. So this is some serious, serious heavy AI as far as what's out in the public space, right? Um, Ostensibly the best Google's got. So this this more generalized version of AlphaGo is now has been reconstructed, redeployed as AlphaZero. All right. Uh, so let's go to the story. Uh, AlphaZero, the game playing AI created by Google sibling DeepMind. Okay, so this is a DeepMind project has beaten the world's best chess playing computer program having taught itself how to play in under four hours. The repurposed AI, so again, more or less the same baseline AI, 
uh, which has repeatedly beaten the world's best Go players as AlphaGo, has been generalized so that it can now learn other games. It took just four hours to learn the rules to chess before beating the world champion chess program, known as Stockfish 8, in a 100-game matchup. So Alpha Zero won or played to a tie in all 100 games, and according to a non-peer-reviewed research paper, that is, published with Cornell University Libraries, ARXIV, which may be AR14 in some weird font and Roman numerals, I don't know. Um, anyway, so here's the thing about this thing. Um, the way it learned in this case, and I don't know if it did with Go, I think with Go they gave it some examples of play, but what they gave Alpha Zero was the rules to the game of chess. It says here, starting from random play and given no domain knowledge except the game rules, Alpha Zero achieved within 24 hours a superhuman level of play in the games of chess and shogi, a similar Japanese board game, interesting, um, as well as Go, and convincingly defeated a world champion program in each case, said the paper's authors that include DeepMind founder Demis Hasabis, who um, this gentleman I've heard of before, uh, that uh, Demis Hasebis, who was a child chess prodigy, reaching master standard at the age of 13. So I believe this is his commentary here. It's a remarkable achievement, even if we should have expected it after AlphaGo. Oh, no, that's his uh, former world chess champion, Gary Kasparov. So anyway, so they go on um, to point out that... You know, Kasparov observes, we've always assumed that chess required too much empirical knowledge for a machine to play so well from scratch with no human knowledge added at all. So the, it's crucial to understand this thing was given a set of rules. And in they talk about in 24 hours it beat this one, that one, and this one. But the headline leads and the story is generally put forward as it learned chess in about four hours and then challenged Stockfish 8 and whooped its ass and whooped its ass using techniques that evidently have never been seen before in the game of, you know, in its history. Um, so, and it did it in a, in a novel fashion. So, um, let's see here, not to read the whole article word for word, right? Um, but you know, they, they, Kasparov is the is the player who lost to the first chess player. He lost to Deep Blue in '97 in May. Okay, so, um, but uh, it says here, DeepMind said the difference between Alpha Zero and its competitors is that its machine learning approach. So this is machine learning story is what we're talking about here. Is given no human input apart from the basic rules of chess. The rest it works out by playing itself over and over with self reinforced knowledge. The result, according to DeepMind, is that AlphaZero took an, quote, arguably more human-like approach to the search for moves, processing around 80,000 positions per second in chess. Sounds like a lot, but that's compared to Stockfish 8, its 
competitor and the reigning champion, Stockfish eats 70 million positions per second. Holy shit. Okay, so this thing does it with lighter processing in in some way uh, and for some reason. So after winning 25 games of chess versus Stockfish 8 starting as white with first mover advantage, a further three starting with black, and drawing a further 72 games, AlphaZero also learned Shogi in two hours before beating the leading program Elmo in a 100-game matchup. AlphaZero won 90 games, lost eight, and drew two. The new generalized AlphaZero was also able to beat the superhuman, former version of itself, AlphaGo, at the Chinese game of Go, after only eight hours of self-training, winning 60 games, losing 40. Pretty cool. When I say pretty cool, I mean pretty fucking terrifying. (laughs) Uh, And here we go. While experts say the results are impressive and have potential across a wide range of applications to complement human knowledge. Professor Joanna Bryson, a computer scientist and AI researcher at the University of Bath, warned that it was, quote, still a discrete task. Well, I think that one sentence was probably the most important uh, sentence in the whole article and the huge buried lead, Um, you know, and it's the closing... uh, article and then basically trying to downplay the scope of something like this but as I said last week and as I'll say again now um, I would be looking in the near future to see them trying to adapt a deep mind AI project not unlike these alpha zero and alpha go versions it may be something new but it may be something very much uh, resembling these, uh, to be tasked with learning a game or simulation that is something more along the lines of Power Grid or International Air Traffic or Ground Traffic in a city or region. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess where I'm going with that to get dystopian for just a second is I'm saying these things are developing and this is just one example of one that we get to know a little bit more about. Um, because it's such an innocuous and discreet task. And we have no idea what's being built around the world or around the country in private uh, concerns. And I don't confuse or think that, you know, individuals anywhere can, you know, construct and and control uh, machines of the level of 
Alpha Zero and others, and you know, we're not even talking about quantum computers, which aren't a pretend thing. It sounds like space fiction gobbledygook, but you know, quantum computers are super real and super crazy and super uh, hard to believe, even work, uh, let alone understand. Uh, and some of the people who build them and, and run those things uh, will tell you that themselves. Um, you know, if you're not looking into quantum computing yet and you enjoy the technology conversation and want to understand it more, uh, there's tons of great stuff out there on YouTube on quantum computing and a lot of talks about it, not just sensational conspiracy documentaries or anything either, you know, um, talks by the people who are building them. So, uh, but we're not getting into that. Uh, where I'm going with this is, and we'll close with this thought, you know, um, these are the kind of machines that lead to the uh, kind of machines that lead to the things that become Skynet or <laughs> whatever the, you know, the matrix, the dystopian uh, future of your choice, self-fulfilling prophecy style. So um, I, I, it's it's all fun and games to watch Star Wars at the movie theater. It's it probably not going to be near as fun to be living in it. Um, and so... Hence, we're paying attention here at Baked in a Week. <laughs> Them smart computers. Got my eye on you, Alpha Zero. It's probably like, yeah, we got our eye on you too, Steve. <laughs> Checks webcam blocker. Intact. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, a story that is interesting to me, and I don't know who to who else, uh, maybe other podcasters and maybe podcast listeners who are into podcasts. But um, So I'm still a Pandora guy. I don't know how many other people still listen to Pandora, but I'm, I listen to a lot of Pandora. That's my streaming music service for the most part. I have Spotify, but I don't use it very, very much, and I don't have the um, you know paid version of uh, either at present, although I have done Pandora 1 for you know a good while here and there. Um, you know, at different times when I was streaming more music. But uh, anyway, their CEO, Roger Lynch, and this is Variety.com, you know, just kind of, um, it's being passed off as a lighter story, and I don't know if it is or isn't. It might be interesting, like I said, to see what Pandora can do with this. But Pandora uh, CEO, Roger Lynch, wants to create the Panda uh, Podcast Genome Project. So excuse me as I totally choke on that headline. Uh, Django Rogetters uh, writes here that Pandora's new CEO, Roger Lynch, has big plans for podcasts. Lynch told Variety on the sidelines of CES in Las Vegas Thursday that he wants to create, quote, the equivalent of the podcast genome project as the company plans to add many more podcasts to its catalog. Lynch, who joined Pandora as president and CEO in September, said that the company is working on a deep integration of podcasts that will allow users of the service to easily browse and discover new shows. Describing these efforts as a kind of podcast genome project is a nod to Pandora's music genome project, of course. And that, uh, for those not familiar, um, is a massive database of dozens of musical attributes for every single song in the company's music library that's being used to compile stations and aid in discovery. 
So, uh, yeah, they also say that uh, this gentleman says that Pandora wants to offer podcasters monetization options that will be superior to the current state of podcast advertising. Uh, currently, many podcasters still rely on ads that they read themselves on air, Lynch said. And, quote, it is not the most effective advertising model. And it's probably not. I don't know. It's interesting, but it's tough. You know, here I am hawking our shirts and stuff on, on the pod to you guys. Patreons and stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, uh, but... but that being said, Pandora isn't pivoting to podcasts. Music will continue to be the core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, we have 74 million monthly active users, but they have been bleeding users at a steady pace to the tune of 4 million a year. So they're, you know, they're, they're trying to do something to bring users back for sure right now because they are on the downslope. Uh, anyway, the rest of the story of that is at Variety.com. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to push down to Pandora. Why not? Push content there too. I like I like Pandora. I'd like to see my you know, the show on Pandora. Yeah. Alright. So that's that story. Um Alright. So I got one more for you, but I can't find my dang lighter. So I need to get that. So you guys grab a lighter, grab a bowl, roll something up, uh, get ready, because uh, I'll give you a peek. We're going to come back and talk about the real conspiracy topic of the day, uh, which is, will elite globalists engineer a financial collapse and blame Bitcoin and the rest of the cryptocurrencies for it? Oh, yeah. All right. So get ready. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit weird. Okay. I think after coming back here and pressing buttons like a completely unfamiliar weirdo on my mixer for a couple of moments there, I think we're back. It was doing a little quick playback, you know how it goes, guys. <laughs> Alrighty, where were we? Found a lighter, I'll tell you that. And, uh,. We're going to talk about crypto. And I found this. I said we were going to get a little weird because I found this, you know, at some interesting blog site that's, uh, you know, I think kind of a, like a prepper guy. Uh, it's shtfplan.com. So, but this guy's got his news news column here. And uh, this is something that I don't know if I saw a little thought or thumbnail about somewhere first or if based on my own curiosity about crypto in general and my potential interest in you know finding some way of participating and and trying to invest in something uh 
Although I read an article uh, earlier this week that said something over 40% of all the money in crypto is financed by debt right now. Um, I don't know if that number's inflated or not, but I wouldn't believe, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was totally accurate. Um, at any rate, I, ha- I, don't, I don't know if I had this thought myself or, or what, but here's the story uh, within a short time after it maybe occurring to me or maybe I saw it and then came back around and went and found the article um, and found, you know, the one of the articles. I think there's a couple, three that I found out there. Sort of talking about similar thoughts here. So this guy just wrote about it on January 2nd, and his name is Max Slavo, and he has a video and everything on this um, on his page here. Uh, so he's, he's doing he's doing something over here. I don't know this guy though, but um, anyway, uh, pretty cool. And SHTF is uh, when the shit hits the fan. By the way, for anybody who you know isn't familiar with that uh, terminology, um, definitely a, a bit of a you know kind of a prepper you know jargon for sure. Um, you know, all right, uh, Teotihuacan kind of stuff. Um, yeah. All right, what does he got here for us? He says, Every single financial collapse has been engineered by elitists and governments as a method of gaining the public's support for more control over their money supply. I need a fucking toke for this shit, you guys. (laughs) Hang on. Let's... All the keep on fire. Like an amateur. <laughs> That's alright, I'm gonna be alright. It's a little bit upbeat for this story. Let's look at my Oh boy. Alright, well. So be it. Let's rock with it, Auntie. That's good. It is good. Thank you, Burnwall. It's good shit. So, <coughs> excuse me. Little Burnwell, um, purple Kush Keef, sprinkled on top of some XJ13 flour from our own garden, smooth sailing cannabis down in Tacoma. So, that's fun. A lot of fun. Out of my little elephant pipe. You guys can see that on Instagram. If you go check that out. Posted it this morning before I started recording. <laughs> uh, alrighty. So, now one YouTuber has the guts to continue here. One YouTuber has the guts to say it and boldly declares that those same globalists will blame Bitcoin for a biblical-level financial collapse. So uh, I guess you can find them at the Dollar Vigilante YouTube channel. Uh, It says here they aren't walking on eggshells in their video titled The Globalist Plan to Blame Bitcoin for a Biblical-Level Collapse. The video starts off with a harsh dose of reality that many won't like. Burwick doesn't mince words later. So the, the, I guess the the, the, fra- the phrasing is uh, they won't teach you in your government schools, but every major economic and financial collapse is planned. It doesn't happen by accident. Uh, and that's a statement from Jeff Berwick of the Dollar Vigilante. Do not know who these people are. It's interesting. 
you know, statements, nevertheless. Berwick doesn't mince words later either, and he says that the government and other globalists already have plans to collapse the economy and blame Bitcoin. Mike Adams, the health ranger. Okay, so yeah, I go back and forth on the health ranger. Sometimes he's been a bit on the kookier side of stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's tough out there when you're seeking the truth. You're sometimes on the wacky edge of stuff sometimes. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not in this guy's shoes, health ranger. So, uh, But he stated that the elitists need to control Bitcoin in order to control humanity. So look for a false flag terror attack allegedly funded by the now infamous decentralized cryptocurrency. So that's the key, you know, threat contained in that potential scenario is, you know, this would, A, would happen, it would be blamed on crypto because of how did they get paid, how did they get the whatever, the means to, to perpetrate this act. So uh, they go on to say, quote, By any measure, we are not at the most extreme time in history in money, finance, banking, equity, bonds, real estate, and other sectors, says Berwick. We're not. We've never seen money printing across the board like we've seen in the last decade. Interest rates are at record lows and even at ludicrous negative rates in some countries. They've never been lower in 5,000 years. By any measure, the U.S. stock market is at or past extremes. Along with the U.S. government's debt doubling in the last eight years to a whopping $21 trillion, trillion, Berwick says that this is just the symptom of a government and globalist manufactured economic collapse that will all have to, quote, come crashing down. I'm not sure I disagree. I don't know, you know, crypto's really interesting, but it's really volatile, and it seems vulnerable to me is my my thinking. I don't know. It seems like it's going to get fucked with very soon and very heavily. Trump administration's already gone after transaction fees, right? Trading fees and stuff, as far as I understand. It's a new tax rule starting now, like already. So, um, he says, as always, I look for the clues directly from those who currently control the world for the answers. This is Berwick again. He then points to a Rothschild owned economic magazine that foretells in its 1988 cover image that 2018 will be the year of the global currency. This is 1988 magazine that has uh, the cover talking about a global currency in 2018. Interesting. Um, How could the globalist bankers plan 30 years ahead for a massive change in the monetary system, Berwick asks. Quote, well, look no further than Bilderberg. Okay, so, you know... I always, uh, my hackles go up the tiniest bit, you know, sometimes when people start going, oh, Rothschild this, Rothschild that, you know, because that's that, you know, kind of a lot of times that is just a few degrees away from somebody, you know, getting ready to launch a, a huge anti-Semitic, you know, rant of some kind. Uh, 
you know, couched in some disguised terms uh, about, you know, Jewish banking control and shit like that. I don't know. Yeah, don't know about that. But, um, I mean, I don't think it's disputed that the Rothschild family is a real family and that they're incredibly, incredibly powerful in a real, tangible way. So, um, you know, and that, of course, includes secret and not-so-secret ways. So, um, you know, however valid the conspiracies may be around them specifically, it's just a weird place. And I'm not, you know, we're not necessarily, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're calling them out here, obviously. They're also calling out Bilderberg, which is very, very interesting. Those of us who are familiar with, you know, the conspiracy community, um, the Bilderberg group and the retreats um, associated with the Bilderberg group, particularly their famous annual secret retreat, or believed to be annual secret retreat, takes place somewhere in North America, I believe. Um, or it might even float. That one, well, there's a couple of them, I think. The one floats, and, but one for sure happens in North America every year. And, you know, politicians and celebrities and all sorts of, um, I mean, you're talking everything from judges to uh, senators and, you know, presidents past and future uh, showing up at, at uh, events hosted by them. And they're, you know, certifiably uh, strange and scary, uh, weird at times, at times anyway. That's certainly always very secret. So, uh, in their real content, in the, you know, in the actual full content of their uh, meetings and, and what goes on. So, anyway, yeah, so they, they kind of close with, uh, you know, the why, right, why. Uh, quote, because most of the power in the hands of the elites now rests in their control over the issuance of currency, which they can't control with Bitcoin. At present, I guess, right? Uh, Berwick continues, instead, what their game plan might be is to put trillions of dollars into Bitcoin to blow it up to massive extremes. Berwick then goes on to quote other financial and market experts such as Jamie Dimone of J.P. Morgan, who all say Bitcoin will cross the sixty to $1,000 threshold before the collapse. So, and I've heard it said somewhere else that, you know, yeah, that it'll, it'll uh, reach numbers like that, uh, you know, maybe that 100,000 or, or beyond it, and then be absolutely eviscerated by some, you know, market force, government regulation or, or something or some destabilization and, you know, be knocked all the way back down to like a thousand bucks a Bitcoin, uh, which would be, of course, terrifying for everybody right now involved in that market. Um, you know, possibly disastrous. Well, very certainly disastrous. So, uh, for most, most, and especially if any anything about the forty percent of crypto investments being funded by debt, you know, is remotely accurate, that would be a disastro for those folks. Obviously, goes without saying. So, all right. So that's that story, and that is something to watch. Crazy stuff. Um, so that was from S htfplan.com shit hits the fanplan.com yeah I'll, I'll check you guys out a little further in the future we'll return to visit you again good story guys it's got a few links embedded in there you know to that youtube channel and the videos embedded there um 
so and uh, some links out to some discussions on the the price of Bitcoin and this whole discussion. So check it out. I'll put the link in our show notes. Uh, all right, and then yeah, I think that's our show. I guess I wanted to close by. Uh, yeah, teasing the show I'm working on for next week. I wanted to get this done and get this out potentially today for everybody because I might take a couple extra days while I work on my next episode, which among other things will deal chiefly with uh, a group, a self-help group uh, known as the Landmark Forum. And um, some of you may be familiar with them. Uh, I know already one listener has reached out and let me know that... um, Interestingly, and I do find this great and serendipitous, they were headed out the very next day, yesterday, when they messaged me and let me know about this. Uh, They're headed out today to a landmark forum retreat, a three-day self-improvement retreat. And uh, so they're a fascinating group. Uh, I wish my friend uh, luck in the uh, the event. Uh, I myself have attended a landmark forum retreat. Uh, self-improvement retreat a few years back of this three-day nature that has a a weekday follow-up so it's like a long weekend and a weekday and we'll go into it in a lot more detail um, in our next episode but yeah uh, so for those of you who are curious you can you know begin to take a look into the landmark forum if you haven't already heard of them and for those of you who have heard of the landmark forum or know anything about them then you'll probably be uh, interested to tune in for our next episode. So, uh, yeah. That's it. I'm going to sign off. We'll play one last tune as we say goodbye. And um, not break our bong while we're doing that. I love that one, but that is, there we go, (laughs) not the one I wanted, all right, everybody, have a great weekend, if you know anything about Landmark Forum, or anything related to that topic, uh, there's a group called Nexium that I don't know anything about, I thought that was like a heart medication, um, that apparently is also really interesting and hosts uh, retreats that are um, and have a curriculum not uh, utterly dissimilar to what's understood to go on at Landmark. So um, if anybody knows about Nexium and stuff like that uh, or wants to tell me about anything else that we don't know about that you think would be interesting as a footnote or something to build uh, into uh, that forthcoming episode, get at me. Talk to us at bakedinawake.com. Uh, hit me at Instagram at Baked and Awake. Go visit that Tea Public store. Grab a coffee mug or some stickers or, yeah, a t-shirt. The t-shirts are kind of cool. I got a couple coming. All right, everybody. You know what to do. Smoke that indica. Do shit anyway.